Hey, yo, everybody. Welcome in. It is uh, January 11th, 2023. This is the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome in to today's pod. If uh, I just want to say real, real quick at the start of today's podcast, thank you so much to everybody who has been leaving ratings, subscribing since I asked y'all to step up to the plate. Y'all been grabbing your Louisville uh, hardwood maple iron slugger five iron if you're a golfer. And knock that sucker straight out of the park. So really appreciate y'all for doing that. That is a huge help to me. And I just want to say thank you all for, for, for doing that. Today's podcast is going to be another doozy. We got some fire topics to talk about today. I'm trying to incorporate some more uh, current slang for the next generation or current generation ahead of me. <laughs> Anyways, if you guys enjoy the uh, the conversation, the podcast, and the overall topics I bring to you on a day-to-day basis, please subscribe and leave a rating. It helps me out so freaking much. So thank you. Okay. First of all, uh, DeMar Hamlin has been officially released from the hospital in Buffalo. He has returned home. He is in great spirits. He is in good health and uh, just a huge, just huge, graceful, wonderful moment for the world, for the for the sports, uh, sports world, sports community, everybody included. This was a massive uh, collection of people around him that were bringing him up and raising him up from the situation he was in. So that's a fantastic story to get into to start out. Tua Tungavailoa uh, officially has been ruled out for the wildcard game due to his concussion issues. There is a serious conversation happening in Miami right now if Tua should just hang the cleats up, done, walk away. The amount of concussions, the amount of susceptible possible brain damage he has uh, suffered and accumulated throughout this year has been incredibly scary. The organization has not done a very good job of protecting him from himself. We've all seen this based upon uh, some of his actions on the football field that got brought to light. But uh, Skylar Thompson, quarterback who played last week, who was, um, let's say, god-awful for the Miami Dolphins, is going to be starting this week. I don't really know if there's any of the quarterbacks that could be stepping in. I assume they're probably going to stick with with him just due to the fact they don't have enough time to bring in a quarterback, bring him up to speed as fast as they can before they play against the Bills this weekend on Saturday. But it's not an advantageous situation. Uh, it's just another thing. I I still wonder to this day what would happen if they drafted Justin Herbert in Miami with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Oh, baby. They would have been creating hotcakes, empanadas, whatever the heck you want to call them, for days in Miami. And uh, it's going to be very interesting whether or not they possibly address the quarterback position in this offseason. I would probably think they will go that way. But nobody knows until we hear more information from Tua. And then obviously decisions will be going on past that point in time. Minnesota Twins and Carlos Correa have uh, reached an agreement yesterday on a seven-year, $200 million deal that has a vesting option to make it up to $270 million. He has passed his physical. This his contract is set in stone. The Correa sweepstakes have finally over. It's finished. No more John Heyman. No more Bobby Nightingale. No more you know MLB nerds on Twitter that keep reporting everything possible. This conversation's over with. I'm glad he's he's a Minnesota Twin. I've been a long time Twins fan due to my family in the Midwest. Shout out Skull, love you, fam. Uh, but this is a very very important move for the future of this franchise in Minnesota. They really don't have much of anything to hang their hat on as far as it goes to offense. 
Byron Buxton's getting closer and closer to 30. I believe he's 29, or he'll be 29 entering 30 this season. They did DFA Kyle Garlick, who is an outfielder, to make room for Carlos Correa on the 40-man roster. They have some other players like Jake Cave, I believe they have. I think he might have also been released. But Max Kepler has been a name of trade conversations. They signed Joey Gallo to a one-year $11 million deal in the offseason. They've got some decent pitching in there. Um, led by their uh, by Joe Ryan, they're, they're probably their best pitcher on their staff, and they got some other decent ones, so uh, Sonny Gray, stuff like that, Kenta Maeda, stuff like that. But the Twins are in a decent spot. We'll be curious to see what they do addressing their further holes, especially on offense when they lost Gary Sanchez. It's a pretty big loss for them, considering he really rebounded well in his defensive metrics this last year in Minnesota and continuing to crush pitching, which is what Gary Sanchez, a.k.a. the Kraken, have done all season long. Broncos have made it clear to the NFL world that they want Sean Payton as their clear number one choice, uh, preferred option at the head coaching position. There is a bit of a rumor going around, and I'm not going to put too much hay in the barn. I'm not going to put too much water or stock in, in, into this, but the rumor on the block, on the street, is that Sean Payton does not want Russell Wilson, does not believe, does not trust Russell Wilson, can run the system he would incorporate and bring to the Broncos organization, offensively speaking. This is obviously going to create a massive conversation. We had the same conversation in Seattle this last season. Do you pick the coach or do you pick the quarterback? Well, if anything, uh, if the past history can tell us anything for the future of what you should probably do. You pick the coach over the quarterback. If I'm Denver, if Sean Payton's willing to come and doesn't want Russell, trade Russell. I know that sounds absolutely insane. He has a massive cap hit. He's due like, I believe if they trade him, he has like a $77 million cap hit this offseason. Swallow it. Get rid of the contract. Find a team like uh, Tennessee desperately needs a quarterback. Indianapolis desperately desperately needs needs a quarterback. Tampa Bay could be in that conversation if Tom Brady leaves. There is a handful of teams, lots of teams, that need quarterbacks, and this could be a very feasible conversation. Yes, the contract is massive. Yes, nobody's going to necessarily want to, to pay it. But if Denver wants to do this right, and by all means, it sounds like they plan on doing this the right way, then the first thing you need to do, get the head coach. If the head coach and the quarterback can't work, get rid of Russell Wilson. I take no pl- no pride, no pleasure in saying this. These are the cold, hard Steve Austin, cold, hard facts. Right, John Clayton, cold, hard facts. Rest in peace, my idol, that is John Clayton. But, I mean, it's just a very uh, non-advantageous situation position that the Denver Broncos have themselves in at this current time. The press conference from Muscle, I'm going to do my best with not trying and eviscerate it from, you know, from letter to letter, word to word, sentence to sentence. But when you start listing every single player on your team, Garrett Bull, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but, like, he, Russell does not understand what it means to take accountability for his actions. You cannot list every player on your team acting like if I just give all these lists of shout outs that go 14 players long. I believe it was 13 or 14 different names he listed in his press conference. They don't care. Denver fans don't care. Mark Schlereth, Derek Wolf, Derek Wolf and Mark Schlereth are done with Russell Wilson. They've been done for weeks. Since, like, pretty much week three, they said, what the hell did you give us 
Who is this joke? This impersonator of Russell Wilson, of this quarterback we thought we were getting. The future Messiah. The savior of our city, right? The Rockies suck. Um, the Avalanche are not great. This team, the, like, they were really buying into the fact. I mean, thank goodness that they have the, the Denver Nuggets and uh, Nikola Jokic is the monster that he is that they have a team to really root for because it's been a rough year in Denver for, for, for sports, and uh, I don't really, don't really feel all that bad about it. They were the ones rubbing it in our face, so once in a while we got to rub it in back. Uh, Jim Harbaugh will be the second overall uh, second position or the second overall option for the head coaching spot. Sounds like uh, Carolina want to interview him, uh, and uh, Jim Harbaugh declined that interview with Carolina. There's, there's, there's going to be other spots. Uh, he's not going to go to Houston. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, he's got to get a job, or else people are going to start bringing up that Rooney rule again about uh, black NFL head coaches or uh, black assistant coaches, African-American, excuse me, as well. Uh, assistant coaches not getting run, not getting opportunities, not getting the same uh, lion's share credit that other coaches of different races and different uh, ethnicities get as well. So it's going to be incredibly intriguing as to what happens. Uh, D'Amico Ryans was the name I was trying to remember yesterday. He is a defensive coordinator for San Francisco. He's going to be highly sought after. Sean Desai, uh, assistant head coach in Seattle, is getting interviewed as well for the uh, defensive coordinator spot in uh, Cleveland as well. Sean McVay has told his assistants that they can, quote, seek employment at other places. This is pretty much what I've been saying for the last couple of days, last week or so, when I first heard the report that Sean McVay was non-committal about things. We talked about non-committal yesterday with Aaron Rodgers. Check out the podcast yesterday about the House of Ayahuasca, a.k.a. Lambeau Field, about that. But this is a this could be one of the biggest off-seasons for the NFC West in a very long time. Because we're talking about the Rams had, at the beginning of, uh, beginning of the season, excuse me, we had Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, Sean McVay. Um, the list goes on, right? All your big time, those are the major stars, right? And then obviously they got Bobby Wagner, so on. If you go into this season, right, Sean McVay walks away. There's no reason for Aaron Donald to, to, to return. He won his Super Bowl, save his body. New, he doesn't want to do the new head coach, all that stuff. It doesn't make any sense. Matt Stafford is literally one injury away in his arm from that thing falling off and never being re re reattached again. He has had a like a Tommy John UCL, which is the unural collateral ligament. For those who do not know, that is a Tommy John-specific baseball injury for pitchers primarily. Bryce Harper just had the surgery at the beginning of the offseason. It's a lengthy one. It knocks you out at least for an entire season of throwing the baseball, or in this case, throwing a football. But the Rams are in such a non-advantageous position to move forward. They have no draft picks. If Stafford isn't there, then they have to lean on Baker Mayfield to try to try and stay in there because John Wolford is not good enough. They could maybe address like Ryan Tannehill or something, but I'm sure they probably would have Baker Mayfield and Ryan Tannehill at this point. It's pretty much, you know, a C plus to a B minus is the difference between Ryan Tannehill and Bay, and Bay Baker Mayfield, in my personal opinion. But it's going to be incredibly intriguing. The, the Mariners, or excuse me, the Seahawks have the number five and 20 overall draft picks in this draft. They're going to continue to uh, stock up and load up. Hopefully we can reside Geno Smith, 
change the direction. Arizona, there's no more Cliff Kingsbury, no Steve Kime. They want to trade DeAndre Hopkins. There's a report about that this morning. That the Cardinals are going to be actively shopping him in the offseason. This is a very, very big offseason for the NFC West, and I'll be curious to see what happens in the future. The last thing on Around the World, it is a lengthy section today. Linebacker Roquan Smith of the Baltimore Ravens got a five-year, $100 million deal. $60 million of that will be guaranteed, making him, I believe, the highest-paid linebacker in all of football. He deserves it. Uh, I'm not going to go into the, the defensive metrics and stats on that, but the Baltimore Ravens, every single defensive statistical category vastly increased and, uh, and upgraded the moment they got Ro- Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. So, congrats to him. Congrats on uh, to Carlos Correa on, on the contract. Let's transition to our Seattle Mariners. We had a little bit of breaking news. Small amount. No, unfortunately, it's not a trade. No, it's not a free agent signing. We have a Hall of Fame induction news to go on. Felix Hernandez, a.k.a. the King, will be inducted in the Mariners Hall of Fame in August, similar to the same uh, similar time frame as they did for Ichiro Suzuki last offseason. I regret not being there for Ichiro's uh, induction hall Hall of Fame weekend, but I will not miss King Felix's for sure. Coaching team also has been announced for our Mariners with one new addition to the squad. Former Oakland A's catcher, World Series champion Stephen Vogt will will join the uh, coaching management team. He will be the bullpen coach slash quality control. And that is a, I think it's a fantastic, wonderful addition. His wife is from the Olympia area. He has a lot of ties to our area. He is an incredibly smart, ahead of his time, savvy baseball guy. This is a great move. I really liked what the direction of this is. And he can really kind of coach up and show some of our other catchers, such as a.k.a. Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh learning from from Stephen Vogt is going to be awesome, as well as Tom Murphy behind the dish. They did sign a minor league deal. Colin Moran, 30 years old, corner infielder, formerly with the Cincinnati Reds and Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, 42 games played last year, 128 plate appearances, 211 average, 305 on base percentage, 376 slug. Nothing too fancy here. This is a former former uh, first-round draft pick, number six overall. This is essentially, as I like to call this, a 4A piece. When I call this 4A piece, he's not AAA. He's too good for AAA. He's not a consistent uh, big league bat. A couple years ago, he had a massive year in, in Major League Baseball. But he's been having some issues with uh, kind of keeping his... What's the word I'm looking for here? He has a hard time controlling the zone, which obviously is kind of an eye raiser because when you think of Seattle, you think of CTZ, control the zone. But he has really good intangibles, really good tools, good athlete. He's a corner infielder, can play first and third. Also, uh, he has played a handful of innings on the hot corner, so he can give uh, Eugenio Suarez some days off, which is gratefully needed. Uh, gratefully, that is greatly needed, excuse me. And uh, because Suarez played way too many innings, way too many games last year at third base, got banged up when we needed him down the stretch, which was a massive loss. So they're trying to uh, avoid that happening this season. Seattle Seahawks, the prep for Santa Clara begins. Uh, Seahawks lead the league in percentage of snaps by rookies on offense this year 22.9%. That is a, uh, it was about a 3% higher than the Houston Texans, where about 19 and that's uh, we're speaking strictly about obviously Abe Lucas, Charles Cross, Ken Walker, and so on. 
Quandre Diggs. Congrats to Quandre Diggs for winning NFC Defensive Player of the Week for his overtime game-clinching interception. Ken Walker has eclipsed 1,000 yards while missing multiple games. This is the first time a rookie has had 1,000 rushing yards, and I believe since uh, Chris Carson. Congrats to Geno Smith for earning every penny of his contract, including all the incentives with the $1 million he accrued after the, uh, the the Seahawks were able to clinch the playoffs with the win uh, the Lions did over the Green Bay Packers. Weather in Santa Clara is not going to be very good at all. Weather forecast is predicting for lots and lots of rain. It's looking like it's going to be a monsoon. It's going to pour. It's going to be a mud fest, which does, I believe, help us with how this game could could be played. Running game and physicality in this game are going to be key. In both losses, Seattle has averaged 14 total rushing attempts, while San Fran has over 40. This obviously cannot happen. This cannot be anything going, going forward. They have to address this running game going into Santa Clara. The Niners are going to try and use that stout defense, run the football with, with, with CMC, Brock Purdy, play action, bootleg rolls out, all of that good jazz. You need to make Brock Purdy uncomfortable in this game. There are so many different layers, so many different variables as to how the Seahawks can possibly win this game, but it starts in the trenches. They have to be physical. They have to get Nick Bosa, uh, Armstead off their... You know, off they can't get inside of a groove. You can't let, let these guys pin their ears back and rush after Geno. That's going to put the, the rookie tackles in non-advantageous situations for that game. City, real quick, I want to talk about this just for a brief minute, and then we're going to transfer into UW. It's just a very quick UW thing for, for us today. Uh, they made some very brief but very critical changes on defense as well as the running game at Kansas City, which has been a crucial step in finishing strong down the stretch. Ken Walker, you need, must, you have to be decisive in your runs. You need to make one cut and go downhill with a bunch of steam behind you. You know, he is he is a very talented running back. We've all seen his talent. That's very apparent. Like, there's no question about that. But we need to be able to step in and run the ball with authority and make the make the defense of San Francisco honor the run game so we have Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to do their jobs accordingly. All right, we're going to do a brief, brief ad break here. There is a barbershop here in Silverdale, Washington that I would highly recommend if you're looking for a professional, clean, and very consistent haircut. Blokes Barbershop here in Silverdale is an absolutely fantastic spot. I would highly recommend them. I get my haircut there once a month. He does a fantastic job. He does a hot shave options as well as many other uh, options included in features. Please, if you're in the area, check him out. The business would be greatly appreciated. University of Washington, unfortunately, lost quarterback Sam Heward, nephew of Brock Heward. He has transferred out of UW. We'll be going to Cal Poly. Cal Poly has a new, uh, their new head coach was the head coach he had at his days in high school. So that is why the reasoning for that. And Sam Heward just needs to get some tape out into the world. In order to do that, you need to be able to transfer since Michael Penix is returning to the University of Washington this year. Cracking! Another day. Another go, another game, and another sweet dub and a, and, a, and a victory. Six wins in a row for our Seattle Kraken. Four to three win over Buffalo. Goals by Maddie Beneers, Jordan Eberle, Yanni Gordon, Jordan Schultz, Philip Grubauer at goalkeeper. Thirty-two out of thirty-five save opportunities. He was absolutely fantastic. We are heading to Boston for a face-off against the Bruins on ESPN Plus at four p.m. 
These Kraken deserve us to be watching on a nightly basis. Matty Beneers is an absolute superstar, budding star emerging in the NHL. It's a great time to be a hockey fan in Seattle. It's a great time to be a sports fan in Seattle. We are so blessed and so thankful to be having three teams right now, or four teams, including the Sounders, excuse me, that are playing fantastic professional-level sports. And I uh, just want to give a brief shout-out to, uh, to, to to the Emerald City faithful, as I call them. All of us fans inside the Pacific Northwest, let's keep cheering. Let's keep rooting. Let's keep showing why we are the now, I believe, the greatest sports city in America. That's my hot take for today. Hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Again, if you enjoy the content today and the conversation, please subscribe. Leave a rating. Five stars is always appreciated. And until then, I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.